Amen, amen. Let's give Mr. Wayne Barr an awesome, awesome welcome. Good morning. Am I on? Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, I'm not used to this, obviously. I don't get to do this very often. And, uh, you, you know, when Pastor Walt approached us, the elders, back in, I guess it was December, probably, he, uh, he said, I want you guys to go around and preach at our campuses. And we looked at him like, you want us to do what? You know, type deal. And uh, if any of you any of you've been around Pastor Walt enough, you know that he's always got ideas. He's always out there living out ahead of us all. And we're just... We're kind of holding on for the ride, if you will. And that, that's, just the, that's just him. Um, before we get started, I want, let's pray. I want to say a prayer. And um, if you would, if you feel comfortable, just extend your hands in front of you. And let's, let's just bow for a word of prayer. So, Father, we just offer this time to you. We say, God, just have your way in our lives. Father, we just pray that in Jesus' name that you would open our hearts, our minds to receive everything, God, that you want said in this hour. And we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would have your way in this hour. You would do what you want to do. And you would say what you want to say. And that you be glorified in everything we do today in Jesus' name. And I, I just felt like there was a, a, a word that kept stirring in my spirit over here. And, and that word had to do with greatness. You know, we, we talk about greatness. We think about greatness. We all, we, we all want to be great. We all want to do things. We want to make a difference in the world. And I kept hearing the Lord say, I felt like this morning, you are destined for greatness. You are destined for greatness. Now, think about what Jesus said. Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all. The greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all. So if you would, just to receive that word this morning, God wants to do great things through you. Come on. God wants to do great things through you. In the workplace, in your home, in your families, in, in society, God wants to do great things through you. Serve. Serve. So receive that this morning. I really felt that, that strong in my spirit this morning. So I'm honored to be here. Uh, my wife of over 40 years is here with me this morning. And my youngest son, uh, yeah, she deserves a crown. She really does. Uh, and my youngest son, Kevin, and his wife, Marley, couldn't be here this morning, but uh, just honored that he's here today. And I just want to give honor to Pastor Walt. You know, he's a leader among leaders. He, he really does take, he's out, out ahead of us. He just follows what God is, he believes God is saying uh, in the hour to our church. And then he says, come on guys, let's go. We, we got to do this. We're doing these things. And I want to give honor to Pastor Lane and Becca this morning. Uh, truly a great couple to leave your church, lead your church here. And as I said, Sheree and I have been married over 40 years. Um, we, we moved to San Angelo. Of course, we're, we're based in San Angelo. We moved to San Angelo in late 1988. And we began attending the Life Church, or back then it was called Tree of Life Church, way back when. And we began attending the church back in January of 1989. So as you can probably tell, we've been with this church for 
35-ish years a long time. And we've seen a lot of things happen over the years. We've seen miracles. We've seen challenges. We've seen just various things that come along as part of life. But yet we have sustained. We have held on. We have, we've tried to do what God said to do. That, that was the most important thing. We always tried to do what God said to do. I became uh, an elder at the church shortly after Pastor Walt came back to San Angelo. So that was in, uh, I believe, 97, Pastor Lane? I think that's right. And so shortly thereafter, I became one of the elders at the church. And as Pastor Lane, or I said, you know, Pastor Walt approached us back in December of, I want you guys to teach on this blessed life. And again, we looked at each other like, does he really know what he's in for? And of course, you know, last week you had uh, Hector Laos that was here. Uh, I understand he did a great job. And of course, my week is this week, and then I'm in San Angelo next week. And guess what? I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Over. It's over. I'm not used to this. This is a little bit, uh, especially being three weeks in a row, it's just a little bit of a, a, a different thing for me. Um, but you know what? God is, God is faithful and he will take care of things. So again, we're, we're in this blessed life series. And you know, the blessed life, again, typically, the typical church, it's all, it's all about giving. It's all about your money. It's all about this. But you know what? It's, it's so much more than that. You know, if, if you remember in the beginning, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, he gave so that we could receive. He gave something. He gave something up. Jesus Christ was given to us as our Lord and Savior if you received him. And, and that's the most important thing. God gave. He, he was not willing to do so, ask us to do something that he was not willing to do. He gave. And so that's one of the things that we want to stress. It's not about money. It's really not. It's about giving your heart to God. So this morning... My title, if you will, I think Hector last week was on the principle of the first, I believe it was. So mine is on the test, the test. So how many of you have ever been in a test? Raise your hand. Come on. I, I want audience participation. You've been in a test. You've been in school. You've gone to school and the teacher came in and administered a test. And what was the purpose of that test? The test was designed to see if you've mastered a subject or you go deeper into a subject or you go to the next grade level. So the test was there for a purpose and we all, we've all been through it. Or how many of you, especially in the state of Texas, have uh, ever done the infamous driving test? You've gone to the local DPS office and the pristine dressed sharp officer with his gun coated on the side, he gets in the front seat with you and he has his clipboard and says, let's begin. <laughs> and so you go around doing these various tests, whether it be uh, a left signal, right signal, speeding up accordingly, staying within the speed limit. And all the while you are over there with your hands on the wheel, knowing what's coming up. Can anybody guess? The parallel parking test. 
the parallel parking test. And oftentimes, if you did not pass that part of the test, you failed everything. You failed it all. Anybody ever failed the parallel parking test? Yeah, we've been there. So that's just one of the tests that we go through. We go through school. You go through uh, a driving test. As I was in college, so I'm a CPA by trade. My son's a CPA. Uh, but as I went through college, before I went to college, I was in high school. I took a bookkeeping class. And I fell in love with it. Fell in love with bookkeeping. You're going, you did what? <laughs> bookkeeping, really? But I fell in love with it. So I went to college and I went to Abilene Christian. Now I'm from the Abilene area. And I went to Abilene Christian and I went into my starting going through my accounting courses, uh, my core curricula, curri curriculum, excuse me, and got to my advanced accounting class. Now, back then, you, you took all of these classes, you had to have a certain number of hours, like 120 hours, so that you could go on to the next level in the, the accounting field. So I was in advanced accounting class, and my professor walked in one day, and he was an elderly gentleman, very, very astute, very, you know, respected in the community. And he was a practicing CPA as well. But he walked in one day and, you know, it was towards the end of my accounting classes and things of that nature. He said, let me tell you something. He said, the CPA exam is the most humbling experience. It's the most humbling test. So as you graduate college, you start applying to take the CPA test or CPA exam and so you go through these, uh, you know, training courses, you go through this. stuff. So you go to this test that was two and one half days long. So you, you started the test on Wednesday afternoon at one o'clock. You went Wednesday from one to five. On Thursday, you went eight to 12. You had a little break, went one to five. Friday, you went eight to 12, one to five. And you finished the exam, and he was right. You walked out of that test, that exam, and you were exhausted. You were mentally drained. It was a most humbling experience. Now, I like some, I, I'm like a lot of these people that took this CPA exam. It took me several times to pass that thing. It took me several times to do it. I was not like some in the room who took it once in each section and passed the exam. And uh, I was one of those that probably took it overall about 10 times. But you know what? I still had the same letters that others have that says CPA. It didn't matter if I made a 99 or a 75, I passed the exam. And I was qualified to provide accounting professional services in the accounting field to the public. Okay? So that was a test that I had to pass. So the goal in this, in this series is to, and especially this one today, is what test? As Pastor Moore says in his book, what test are you talking about? What test? Well, the test is, and we're going to talk about it here in just a minute, is you have to pass these tests to go to a deeper level, go to a new level, go to a, a, a more of what God has for you. 
Amen? So I would like to talk a little bit about the Bible was full of these people in the, all through the Bible, especially the Old Testament, who had to go through tests. They had to go through a lot of tests. So then my first one is the Adam and Eve test. All right, think about it. God created Adam and Eve. There was the, there was the garden. And God said, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to commune with you. You can have everything you see except that tree. Except that tree. Don't touch it. Well, we know what happened. They touched it. But that's the Adam and Eve test. So that's a test. Or I like this one called the Noah test. Noah had a deep relationship with God. He was the only righteous person on earth at that time. And God says, I'm going to make it rain. Noah looks at, you're going to make it rain? What is rain? We've never seen rain. I want you to build an ark to save you and your family and the animals because it's going to rain. And, God, and Noah's saying, God, really, what is rain? But it's the Noah test because he didn't see what was going to happen necessarily, but he built the ark to save humanity at that time. What about the Abraham? This one's good, the Abraham test. Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, the long-awaited son of promise. The long-awaited son of promise, I want you to sacrifice him. So Abraham, the good soldier that he was, he takes Isaac and his two, I think, two servants with him, and they go on this journey to sacrifice the son. Here's something that's very unique. And I just saw this the other day. It said, Abraham, as they were going along, he told the servants, he said, stay here. We will be back. Did you ever read that? We will be back. And then they, he and Isaac took off, and he made Isaac carry the wood he was going to sacrifice him on. That's very interesting. But the Abraham test, or the Joshua test, Moses just died. Moses just died. God says, Joshua, you are the man. Three times in the first chapter, he says, be strong and courageous. You're going to need it. Be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous because you're going to lead the children of Israel. You are going to lead them. The Joshua test. And I want to end with this one. How about the David test? King David. King David, you are destined for greatness. Now, kill the giant. Leave the ladies alone. I want your heart. Think about it. Whatever obstacle is in our path, we have to deal with it. We have to deal with those things. So the David test, he had to pass the test. We had to pass the test. But notice something about these tests and our test. Our test is God is saying, will you love me? Will you serve me? Will you obey me? Will you do what I say to do? That's our test. But notice, here's something very interesting. These tests are from as, as an external source that's coming to us. These tests are coming to us. 
We have to pass those tests. God is giving us tests. Uh, Society is giving us tests. Things of these, you know, this nature, they're coming to us. We have to pass the test. Except there's one place in the Bible where it talks about God is saying, I want you to test me. I want you to test me. Now, again, open your heart. Open your mind. Put money away. Put money away. We're going we're to see what the Spirit is saying in these scriptures. All right. Audience participation. How many of you get paid once a week? Anybody? Okay. How about twice a month? Anyone? Okay. How about once a month? How about never? You don't ever get paid. If you do, I'm sorry about that. Here's the test for the believer. Here's the test for those that want to pass the test, if you will. Who do you think and who do you worship every time that money drops in your account? Who do you think? Who do you, God, thank you. Thank you, God. That's the test. That's the real test. So we're going to turn to Malachi chapter 3. And we all know this, but I want to just expound on a few things as we go through Malachi chapter 3. Oh, I'm running out of time. I got to go. Uh, so Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. God says, I don't change. I haven't changed from the beginning. I haven't changed in the, in the middle. I haven't changed when Jesus was here. I did not change and I will not change to the end of the age. God's saying, I do not change. Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. Now, this is something that Pastor Morris brings out in his book. It's very interesting. He says, you've gone away from my ordinances. An ordinance is simply something like this. A principle of ordinary behavior. A principle of ordinary behavior. So remember, God doesn't change. God says, you've gone away from my ordinances, a principle of ordinary behavior. And you have not kept them. And he says, return to me. God is saying, return to me and I will return to you. And in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God, he says, yet you have robbed me. Well, we say, God, how did, how did I rob you? What did I do to rob you? You are cursed with a curse. Now, interesting enough, this is not God placing the curse. It's the curse where we step from out from under God's best. We step away from what God really wants for our lives. We, we do that to ourselves oftentimes. And then verse 10, bring all the tithes into my storehouse. My storehouse represents the local church. It represents the temple back in those days. It represents a place where these, these resources are used for the expansion of the kingdom of God. So that there be food in my house, not physical food. Food in my house represents the food that you come and you get spiritually fed. That's the food. That is the food. 
Money going all over the world for missions. That's the food. We have the ability at the Life Church. We've done this for years. We support missionaries all over the world. We've done all of these things. God says, you've given. I want food in my house so that my kingdom can be expanded. That my kingdom could be advanced. And I'm going to go quickly. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. Think about this. Does God who created the world at the beginning with his spoken word, whose streets are paved with gold, his asphalt is gold. Does he really need our money? Does he need our money? Remember in Psalm 50 it says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. In Haggai 2 it says that all the silver and gold they are mine. God owns it all. His streets are paved with gold. And see to it in verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer, the devil himself, the seed eater, the one who eats the seed who, who, uh, that threatens to consume our resources or our well-being. God says, I will rebuke. I will take care of it. You've got to trust me. You've got to trust me in this. So really what God is saying is, you're robbing me. I don't need your money. I haven't changed from beginning to end. You're robbing me of the opportunity to bless you. That's really what it's about. You're robbing me of the opportunity to bless you, to make you a stronger influence in the world. To help populate heaven. And so we, talk, we go along and we talk about that Pastor Morris, he says that tithe represents, obviously, we know, a tenth part. That's what it represents. And he says, the ten always in the Bible represents testing. So how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Ten. How many commandments were there? They were ten. Uh, how many times did God test Jacob's heart by ch allowing his wages to be changed by Laban? It was 10. Very interesting. In Matthew 25, the, the, the 10 virgins, they had their preparedness tested. They had to be prepared. But there were 10 of them. So the point of all of this is the tithe is a test. That's what it is. It is a test. It represents the ultimate heart test of the believer. And then we go along. So it, it, we, we, we talk about tithing as a test. We know that tithing, we believe that tithing is biblical. We truly believe tithing is biblical. And tithing gives us opportunity. So what is an opportunity? An opportunity is simply something that is presented before you and you get to choose. It's something that's presented before you, you get to choose. So the first thing, this opportunity when it's presented before you, is that tithing presents an opportunity for you and I, us, a corporate body, individually, where we get to honor God. That's really what it's about, honoring God. 
Proverbs 3, we all know it. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions, the first fruits of all of your increase. So let me, let me pose something to you. If, God, if you got paid and God says, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to keep the, 90%, the 10% and I'm going to give you the 90%. I'm going to keep the 10. I'm going to give you the 90. Let me ask you, where's the opportunity truly to honor God in that? See, it gives God greater pleasure to see us blessed, successful, all of these things. And he gives it all to you and I. And we get to honor him back with the 10. See, that's where the honor is. He could do it. He could withhold the 10. But he gives it all to us and says, opportunity, you get to choose. Choose God's best. Tithing also presents an opportunity for us to partner with God and his eternal plans and purposes of the kingdom. So imagine this. Someday when you get to heaven, you go on to your reward in heaven and... Um, Someone starts running up to you, says, I've been waiting for you to get here. I'm so glad you're here. And you look at them like, do I know you? Do I really know you? No. But 25 years ago, you gave. And I'm here because you gave. And I'm here to thank you. That, that really, it's all about perspective. All about perspective. You know, in Philippians 4, Paul, he, he thanks the church at Philippi for giving and partnering with him to spread the good news and to build the kingdom, the work of ministry. And then finally, tithing presents an opportunity for us to exercise our faith. Remember Hebrews 11, without faith, it is absolutely impossible, it says, to please God. Pastor Morris, he puts it like this. He says, it always requires faith to give the first. That's why a lot of Christians are not experiencing that blessing of the tithe. It means giving to God before you see if you got enough on the back end. That's really what it's about. It's trusting God to take care of it all. That's why tithing is so important. And I'm going to wind up here. You know, there is one specific thing that, you know, we as a church, the Life Church, probably 25 or more years ago, probably, shortly after Pastor Walt came back to San Angelo, we had the opportunity. We were in a building program at the Life Church. We were in a building program, and we were really wanting to go and get a, build a new building, move into new facilities, things of that nature. And we were presented, here's that word again, with an opportunity to give. We were presented with an opportunity to give. Another church in town had a severe need for some work to be done on their building. A severe need. And during an elders meeting one night, Pastor Walt brought that up to us. And, you know, we knew that that money that we had in our hand wasn't going to even be close to enough to build a building. But it could be used to meet that need. 
And so we sold that money into this other church, helped them with their building. And, you know, we go along year after year and we kept reminding ourselves, you know, we've got, we've got good seed in the ground. We've got seed in the ground. And several years ago, that building came back into our possession at the Life Church, came into our possession without any debt, without having to pay for anything. It was a God thing at that point in time. You see, God was faithful. He was faithful to, to Pastor Walt's vision, what, what he was wanting to do. The elders, we prayed about it. We said, this is God. We're going to do this. And God brought things back. God is always faithful. He will not let you down. I promise you. And then lastly, tithing is personal to God. It's personal to God. Pastor Morris tells this story in his book, an illustration I believe it is. And he says, he says, a man is going away he decides to go away and he's commissioned three individuals to take care of his wife while he was gone. And so he's told these three individuals, he said, I'm going to give you $10,000 per month. All that I ask of you, all that I ask of you is that you give $1,000 a month to my wife to make sure that she's taken care of. That's all I ask. The, the rest, the 9,000, you can do what you want. It's yours. Just take care of my wife. So he comes back from his trip and he, he walks in. He uh, said, hey, dear, it's good to see you. I'm glad to be home. You know, things of that nature. He said, how were you taken care of? How well were you taken care of while I was gone? So he, she says, well, you know, that, that first individual, he did exactly what you said. He got that 10000 and he immediately gave me 1000 to make sure that my needs were met. That there was food in my house. That's awesome, dear. What about number two? Door number two. He says, he did great as well, but even over and above. What do you mean? I, you gave him the 10000 a month? He gave me $2,000 a month. Wow, dear, that's awesome. He did over and above what I asked him to do. Number three. Well, we need to talk about number three. Number three, the first time, gave him the $10,000. He gave me $700. The second month, he gave me $500. The third month, he gave me a few dollars. And then fourth month, he didn't give me anything. Think about this. The man that went away is a representation of Jesus that went away for a while. The church is the bride of Christ. His bride, his wife. He says, take care of my church. Take care of my church. Take care of my temple. Where does that resonate with you today? Where does that speak to you today? God, it's not, about, it's not about the money. It's really not. God gave. He wants us to give. 
give our resources, give our time, give our whatever, our ministry time, uh, helping the church, doing all these things. God desires for us to have a generous heart so that he can build his kingdom. So he can do what he's called us to do. So I'll close with this. Pastor Morris, he says in his book, and it's a, Billy Graham has said something along these same lines. And he says this. Tithing is really about believing and trusting in God that he can do more with the 90% than I can ever do with the 100. Amen. If you would stand with me. Close your eyes and just allow... Um, a little bit of time here. So I'll, I'll ask you this question. What, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? And I, I'm not here trying to get your money. I'm really not. I promise you that. What I am about and what Pastor Walt is about is seeing his children blessed and taken care of. Seeing his children making a difference in society. Making a difference across the world building the kingdom of God. So you may be here this morning and, and uh, this has been a struggle with you. This is what I told Abilene last week. I said, start somewhere. I had, a, I had a lady after church last Sunday that came up to me and just told me a story about she had a problem with it. I said, that's okay. That's okay. That God still loves you and it's not a requirement to get to heaven. It's not. Please hear me. It's not a requirement to get to heaven. But God's best is that you operate under His system, His way of doing things. That's God's best. So, Father, we just offer ourselves to you. We say, Holy Spirit, just, just seal this in our hearts and our minds. Touch us, strengthen us, give us wisdom in this area. Help us to have faith and trust in you during these times. Help us, God, even just to start somewhere. Even if we can't do the, the 10%. And again, it's not about money. But God wants to open you to open up that door, if you will, to his best. In Jesus' name, amen.